the epitome of, of patience. That's quite, a, that's quite a word. I don't think I can use that word appropriately. That was impressive. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers, to the grandmothers, uh, to maybe the great-grandmothers that are here today. Uh, today, we want to celebrate you. And if there are kiddos with us this morning, I hope that you'll take a chance uh, to bless your mom today. What do I mean when I say to bless them? Maybe you write them a little note. Maybe you tell them something you're thankful for. Maybe you say, hey, mom, uh, my bathroom is actually clean. Like that would be a blessing to your mother today, kids. I promise. Uh, just, just try that out. Um, and you know, I want you to know, some of you aren't here with your, your mom. Maybe, maybe you came with grandma. Maybe you came with your dad. Maybe you came with a friend. But I want you to know, kiddos, that whoever brought you here today, it's one of the ways that they show you that they love you because they brought you into God's house with God's people to hear a message from the Lord. And so uh, would you just take a chance and say thanks and bless somebody uh, today? I love having the kids in with us and you know, on some special occasions we have more than others. And so kids, uh, it's going to be a great Sunday. Uh, but before we jump in, I want to just mention, I know that while today is a day of celebration for many this can also be a really hard day for some as well. Some who are in a season of grief or loss, or, or you think back uh, to the things that have been hard. And so if that's you, please know that uh, we're praying for you and that we're here for you if there's anything that we can do for you. Um, this morning... We're going to be in 2 Timothy 1, and you can start making your way there now as, as we look at the faith of a mother and a grandmother and the effect that that had on young Timothy. Uh, so I want to say, as you're turning there, a special welcome to those who are joining us online. And again, to any guests that we have, thank you for trusting us with just a little bit of your time today. Let's read 2 Timothy 1. Starting in verse 3, it says this, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience as my ancestors did, when I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. Remembering your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am convinced is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. Timothy's spiritual journey began by witnessing the walk of his mother and his grandmother. And I believe that in this passage, we are going to see what it takes to have a contagious faith, a faith that is an example and a faith that is contagious to those who are around us. But here's what we know when we look at the scriptures is that every single person must choose for themselves whether to follow Jesus or not. Every person must make that decision. So parents, as much as we want to choose that for our kids, as much as we want to raise them up in the faith, as much as we want to do things to set them up to know who Jesus is, every person must make that choice for themselves. 
And so from the top, I just want to say there's nothing in this message, parents, that is intended uh, to make you feel guilty or ashamed if you have kids, whether they're infants like we saw a little Miss Logan earlier, or whether they're in high school, college, or or adults. If they're not walking with the Lord, I want you to know that that this is not uh, to shame you or to put any pressure on you. Uh, and, And just to commiserate with you a little bit, in my house, I have four kids. Only one of them has made the decision to put his faith and his trust in Jesus. So I have three lost people living in my house right now. But we get to pray and live and lead in hopes that they will make that decision for themselves. So it's important to remember that the whole story isn't yet written, no matter where uh, the people we love are at in their life, whether they're little kids or whether they're adults. Um, And there are some clear elements of faith that we get to look at this morning. It's going to help us as primary faith trainers, as people who want to make an impact, have a faith that is contagious. And the first is this, a contagious faith is a personal faith. Look back at verse five with me. It says, I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I'm convinced is in you also. What Paul notices here is that Timothy has a sincere faith and he ties that to the mother and the grandmother. Now I already mentioned that faith is not transferable. There's no such thing as cultural Christianity. You can't just give your faith to someone else, uh, but their faith absolutely affected Timothy's. And it's a great blessing to grow up in a Christian household. And every believing parent, I believe, has the privilege and the responsibility to love their children towards the gospel, to share truth, to speak with mercy and grace In fact, one of the most commonly quoted uh, parenting passages in all of Scripture has to do with this. Deuteronomy 6, we actually touched on this a few weeks ago. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 7, I love this because it doesn't begin with parenting instructions. In fact, it says this in verse 4, Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. We start with who God is. That's always the foundation. But then next, he moves to you. He moves to your heart and it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words I'm giving you today, they are to be in your heart. And then he gets into verse seven where he says, and you repeat them to your children. As parents, as primary faith trainers, it's important that we understand that faith is personal, that it starts with you. You cannot pass on a faith that you don't own. It must first be in your heart. And so mom and dad and grandma and grandpa, aunts and uncles, friends who have brought people with them today that they want to see come to know who Jesus is, the greatest gift that you can give is a strong, deep, meaningful relationship with Jesus. A strong, deep, and meaningful relationship with Jesus. You know, when you fly on an airplane, you board, you sit down, 
in what feels like six hours later, a flight attendant gets up in front of you and they start doing the safety instructions. Has anybody been there? They talk about one event like it's about to happen. They get to the point in the safety instructions where they say, and then at some point, oxygen masks are going to fall from the ceiling. That's terrifying. If things start falling out of the ceiling on an airplane, I'm just telling you right now, I'm freaking out. I'm not remembering what was said to me in the safety instructions, uh, but I do know what comes next because when I fly with my kids, the flight attendant locks eyes with me and she's like, I'm looking at you. You need to listen to this because this is important. When that happens and this oxygen mask falls out of the ceilings, what are you supposed to do? You put yours on first and then you help your child. Put yours on first and then you help your child. So why would that be important? If you don't have a lifeline, you're not equipped to give anyone else a lifeline. And that's the same principle that we see here, is that your faith must first be personal for you so that you can then help someone else understand what a personal faith with Jesus looks like, acts like, and is. Your children are watching the Christ in you more than they're listening to the claims you make about him. If you don't have kids, that person in your life that you're trying to mentor, that you're trying to love, that you're trying to lead towards the gospel, they're, they're watching the Jesus in you more than they're listening to the things that you're saying about it. When I was in middle school, maybe early high school, I vividly remember something. You see, I have parents who love the Lord. They were in the last service and um, my dad would teach me things. He would talk to me about faith. We had conversation after conversation about who Jesus is and why it matters and what it looks like to be a man after God's own heart. And I gotta be honest with you, I don't remember a lot of the specifics of those conversations. But I vividly remember this. Getting myself up to get ready for school dragging my what I'm sure looked like lifeless body to the kitchen. Some of you with middle schoolers, you've seen this, right? Going to get some breakfast and every morning I had to pass my dad as he's sitting in his chair, pouring over God's word. There was not a word spoken, but I saw a man who wanted to be changed by the power of the gospel. It can be easy for us as parents to get caught up in the training plan. You hear verses like Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. And so we key in on the training part, like I got to tell them everything they need to do. I got to make sure that they know the scripture. I got to make sure they've memorized these verses. Now we can get caught up in that, and we can forget that we are first a child of God. That our first responsibility is that we ourselves would love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. Because only when we have it in that order, first we know God, then we're able to love people and lead people the way that we are called to do. You see, the greatest witness that you can have to those around you is a life that is focused on God. And so the question that you have to ask yourself this morning is, does my walk and my talk 
match up? Does my walk and my talk match up? Because when it does, your faith becomes incredibly contagious to those who are around you. And so if you want a contagious faith, it starts with a personal faith. But then I believe it grows and a contagious faith is also a consistent faith. A contagious faith is also a consistent faith. Let's look back at verse five. It says, I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and now I'm convinced is in you also. There's a key word right here in the middle of this verse that I believe shows us the importance of having a consistent faith, and it's the word sincere. Do you know anyone who is sincere? You know that person who anything they say, you can trust it. That person who walks with you, who feels deeply with you. That person who is genuine, honest, and upfront. My, my wife is like this. And what a gift she is to, to me and so many others. She, she is just such a sincere person. Uh, in fact, the Greek word for sincere that's used here actually translates to Christy Conley. No, I'm just kidding. It doesn't actually do that. Um, the Greek word that's used here actually means not hypocritical. Paul's writing, he says, I recall your sincere faith. This faith that is consistent, this faith that is not hypocritical. It is consistent. He uses the exact same word in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Now the goal of our instruction is love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. He's communicating that a sincere, consistent, unhypocritical faith is vital when we are leading and teaching others. I believe that there are few circumstances that are more detrimental to faith development in kids than inconsistent faith. Than seeing leaders in the church, leaders in the home, of seeing people who believe one way in this circumstance, in this situation, and are radically different in, in the others. Here at Kingsland, we talk about the domains of our heart, the domains of our life. And faith plays an important part in each domain. It's actually the thing that connects each and every domain because as we grow, God calls us into greater influence and greater things. I think we have a picture of it that we're gonna show. It actually looks a lot like our logo uh, and it starts with the heart. In the heart domain, this is our personal relationship with God. This is where we rest in who God is. This is where we get our identity that we are created in God's image, where we spend our time praying, pouring over the scriptures, getting more understanding of the character of who God is and why he created us. We move from the heart into the home. This is where we bless those who are in our lives. This is where we share what God is doing in us, what he's calling us to do together. We hear how God is doing uh, things in and through the family. From there, we move up to the church where we gather that's what we're doing this morning. We come together with the greater family of God to be equipped, challenged, and encouraged through God's word. We worship him together in spirit and in truth. But it doesn't stop there. We move to that next domain. That's where we go beyond. 
where we take steps towards people who are in need, where we use our influence, where we use our resources for something so much greater than any one of us could accomplish. God brings us together for his great purpose as we go and meet needs in physical, spiritual, and emotional ways. But faith connects all of these. And if you disconnect faith from any one of these domains, the whole system breaks down. As we think back to Timothy, he witnessed sincere, unhypocritical, pervasive faith from his mom and his grandmother that undoubtedly affected every area of his life. In chapter one of Paul's letter to the Colossian church, Paul spends a lot of time talking about the supremacy of Jesus, just how great Jesus is, how he's better than anything we could see, and how everything funnels back to the gospel. That we should, because of that, be steadfast, unmoving, and firmly planted on that truth. He says this at the end of the chapter in Colossians 1 verse 24. It says, if indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith, you are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard. If we want to have a contagious faith, we must first have a personal faith. And when that personal faith grows, it becomes a consistent faith. And finally, what I believe we see modeled here is that a contagious faith is also a resilient faith. You know, you may be here this morning thinking, um, hey, pastor, I, I would love to leave a heritage of faith. I'd love to leave a legacy of faith, but I have no idea how to do that because I've never seen it. It wasn't modeled for me. And by the way, my background is a mess. And so I've got a lot that I need to overcome here. And I believe that there's good news for you this morning in the pages of scripture, specifically from Timothy's life. Because Timothy didn't come from a perfect situation either. Look at Acts 16, verse 1. Paul went on to Derby and Lystra, and there was a disciple there named Timothy, the son of a believing Jewish woman, but his father was a Greek. When you read that wording in relation to what we just saw in 2 Timothy, it appears that Timothy's dad isn't at all involved in the spiritual formation of young Timothy. His father wasn't a believing Greek. He was just a Greek, which probably meant that he was holding fast to a lot of very unbiblical ideas. But did that mean that Timothy couldn't grow, that he couldn't uh, go on to do things as a young man or as an adult uh, that were incredible for the kingdom? Absolutely not. Timothy did some remarkable things uh, as a leader in the church to expand the kingdom of God wherever he took him. But what was the difference for Timothy? Well, I believe it started with Lois and Eunice, as Paul mentioned. I would imagine that women of faith spent lots of time praying for this young man. And that outweighed maybe the negative example that he got from his father. But God, is, as God often does, he brought some godly men into Timothy's life to give them to give him a model of manhood. And that's one of the things that the church is all about. You see, Paul took Timothy under his wing 
even earlier in this chapter, calling him my dearly loved son. They had a special bond, a special relationship, and obviously Paul isn't his biological father, but I believe one of the reasons that God put Paul in Timothy's life was to fill in the faith gaps that were left by his father. God didn't simply rescue Timothy from a poor spiritual influence of his father, but as only God could do, he used Timothy's unique circumstances to make him a better pastor at Ephesus to make him a better servant of the gospel, to make him a better companion to Paul. Because he had a multicultural upbringing, it undoubtedly affected the way that he saw the world, the way that he saw people, the way that he was able to get in and out of circumstances and situations. And God used something that could have caused confusion and division. And he said, no, Timothy, I've been preparing you, regardless of your background, for this moment right now to reach many with the gospel. Timothy would become Paul's trusted messenger. We see that in 1 Corinthians and 1 Thessalonians. We see that Timothy uh, is in Rome when Paul is imprisoned in uh, Colossians, Philippians, and Philemon. Uh, William Barclay comments that he believes Paul saw Timothy as the heir apparent to his ministry, that he had suffered with Paul, he had traveled with Paul, he had a, a speckled background and had walked through things, but had proven himself faithful and had a resilient faith to where Paul was comfortable leaving the legacy to Timothy. You see, regardless of the gaps that Timothy had or the difficulties that he was about to face down the road, God continued to use him and he showed resilient faith over and over as he stepped into the great unknown. You know, even in the best of circumstances, for kids who grow up with parents who are married, they both love Jesus, you bring them to church, you pray over them, even in the best of circumstances, study after study shows that children, as they leave home, also leave the church and turn their back on the Lord. In 2019, Lifeway Research found that 66% of American kids who grew up in the Protestant church, they left for at least one year in their early 20s, and many of them never returned. Barna took that research, uh, and they also noted that in the last 10 years, the number who are leaving and not coming back has increased 5% in just the last 10 years. This is a scary trend. And this isn't to say that the parent is to blame for the heart of the child, because we've already said every individual must choose to accept or reject that personal faith. But the reality is, folks, if the only people that we would reach with a meaningful faith and help them grow in their faith were the children living in our own houses, the church here in America, the church across the globe would explode in the next generation. The Apostle Paul is writing here to Timothy, and it's not coincidental that he reminds Timothy first of that faith that he saw in his mom and in his grandma. Over and over throughout this letter, Paul calls Timothy back to that foundation, back to the things that he knew before. He uses the word remember a whole bunch in this whole letter. A few examples of this. Uh, Verse five, remember the sincere faith 
Verse 6, remember the gift you were given. Verse 13, remember the sound teaching. Verse 14, remember the treasure that is in you, the Holy Spirit. And that's just the first chapter. When this letter was written, Timothy is leading a church in Ephesus as a young man. He probably started walking and following Paul when he was 18 or 19. By his early 20s, he's left in Ephesus to lead a church. And throughout this letter, Paul gives him some incredible wisdom, some good teaching, but more often than not, he's calling Timothy back to the foundation. He's saying, remember what you saw in your mom and your grandma. Remember the gift that God has given you. Remember that you have been given everything that you need. I love what he says in verses six and seven. He says, therefore, I remind you, rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hand. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. When Paul laid his hands on Timothy, he commissioned him out and he affirmed the faith that Timothy had, that faith that he had seen as a child, that faith that he had grown into, that faith that he had at some point in the recent past made a personal faith. He calls him back to the foundation that would propel Timothy into incredible ministry over the next days of his life. And he reminds him of the gift that he has been given. That God has given him everything that he needs to be successful in the endeavor that God has called him into as a young pastor. And friends, that's what God has done for you and me as well. You're here today because someone has made a spiritual investment in you. Maybe they just invited you to church. Maybe they shared the gospel with you. Maybe they opened their home to you. Maybe you had a mom or a dad that loved you enough not to let you be a knucklehead and and do whatever you want. You're here today because of a legacy of faith that came before you. And God has given you everything that you need to do what he's called you into, but he wants to start with your heart. And then he wants that to be contagious to all those who are around you. You know, for all the moms who are in here today, a simple thank you doesn't begin to show the appreciation that we have for you. Your job is huge. It is often a thankless job, but it is eternally significant because let's just be honest, men, right? The, the women in here understand spiritual influence, teaching, leading in grace and love a lot more than we do. Can, can we just agree on that? And so ladies, thank you so much for the example, for the serving, for the loving, for, for doing all the little things that are so eternally meaningful. Just this week, we learned about a young woman in Austin, Texas. You may have, you may have heard this story. Who, uh, she purchased a Roman bus from Goodwill for $35, later to find out uh, that it is a relic from probably the first century. But its value was $35. It's like the most expensive thing you can buy at Goodwill, right? She walks into a store, She's, she loves art, she's some kind of a collector, I don't know the whole story, but I do know this, this relic is on the floor, under a table, 
behind other things and somehow catches her eye. And she thinks, man, I'll spend $35 on this. A priceless piece of history, a priceless piece of art had been completely undervalued. And I believe, friends, that our world has a way of undervaluing so many things. And right now, there is an attack on your family that is stripping away the value that you have as parents, the values that we have as the church that, that, that supports the family. It's devaluing the life of all people. And so today, as we celebrate Mother's Day, I want to challenge you and encourage you not to devalue those heroes of the faith that are in your life. So today is the day for you to pick up the phone and make a phone call, to to send a text message and just say, hey, you made an impact on my life. Here's what you did for me, and here's what that means for me now. Paul reminded Timothy, look back at your heritage. Remember those women. Remember their influence. Remember their life. And we have the opportunity to do that today. And so many of you, you need to call your mom, you need to call your dad and not just say, hey, thanks. But hey, here's the impact that you had. And maybe that's a mentor for you. Maybe that's a teacher. Maybe that's a friend. Maybe that's a friend's parent. But would you take a moment today and say thank you Because of your contagious faith, your willingness to love me when I was unlovable, I'm now able to lead my family different. Let's not undervalue the people that God has used to bring us to the place where we are. So this morning, let's make our faith personal. Let's grow into a consistent faith. And when Satan tries to shoot those fiery arrows at us. Well, we have a resilient faith that makes a difference, not just in our lives, but to all those who God has entrusted us to lead. You know, friends, we began this morning talking about a personal faith. And so I want you to know that if, if that's something that you're wrestling with, if you're asking questions, who is God? What is this Jesus? Why do I need to make this choice? I want you to know that after this service is over, uh, I'm going to be down front. Some of our staff will be here. Some of our prayer team will be here. And it would be an honor to talk with you about what that looks like, about what that means, about why no one else can make that decision for you. But I want you to know there's no better day than today to put a stake in the ground and say, today is the day that the legacy of faith in my life and my family begins because it starts with trusting Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord. Would you pray with me as we close this morning? Father God, we thank you for the love that you have for us. We thank you, Jesus, that you chose us first. We thank you that, uh, God, you have surrounded us this morning with men and women who dearly love you, who want to walk with you, and God, that you are calling us uh, to a, a personal 
faith in you. And so, Lord, I just ask that this morning, uh, God, you would just draw hearts to yourself. For those of us who've been walking with you, God, would this be a, a sweet time as we remember our history, remember our legacy, God? Would you give us an opportunity to just show appreciation for those who have invested in us? But Lord, for those who haven't made the decision to follow you yet, God, would today be the day of salvation? Would you pour your extravagant love out on them? Would you let them know as only you can just how much you love them and, and the links that you would go to uh, for them? And God, we thank you for the reminder that you have given us everything that we need to make an impact on those in our house, in our community, at our jobs. And so God, would we be people who take that legacy to heart. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen.